Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Real Estate Level Up podcast. I've been very excited about this one because I have an extremely special guest on with me today. He's a friend of mine, been a mentor to me for many years, and been doing this real estate investing thing for over 42 years now. In fact, he's the whole reason I got started. So we're here with Ron Legrand. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Ron, good to have you. Good to be here. I appreciate you taking time to come on with us today. And uh, when I started this podcast, the Real Estate Level Up podcast, you are the very first person that came to my mind because you're the person who got me started on this journey nearly a decade ago. So uh, thank, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> April of 2014. Yeah. That was a... A kid coming to class, and I thought to myself, he don't have a chance. <laughs> Just kidding. I love it. Well, uh, so tell us, Ron, uh, you've been doing this for quite a few decades, longer than I've been alive. I'm in uh, my 40, 42nd year. 42nd. Wow. Well, you uh, have been teaching for many years, doing it for many years, uh, done so many great things and uh, your very impressive bio. And I, I appreciate you so much for coming on, but how did it all start for you 42 years ago? Well, I was running a service station, barely making a living, working my tail off in the hot Florida sun. And I was the mechanic as well as the gas pumper, as well as the, uh, the manager. Uh, you know, I had a couple people helping me, but I had to do it all. And I did that for a lot of years, honestly. And um, one day I came home and my wife Beverly wanted a new washing machine because the old one was broken. We got mad and argued and went to bed mad. And I just woke up the next morning and made up my mind. I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. And I started looking. And sure enough, it wasn't long before I found a free real estate seminar. And, and I went to it. I knew it was a scam, but I went to it anyway and found out, well, maybe it ain't. That put me into a two-day event, which I had to pay for. And uh, that's really how it started for me. That Three weeks later, I did my first wholesale deal and picked up a check for $3,000. And that's all it took for me. And uh, unlike most people out there, as you well know, Andrew, that, I kept on going. Most of them just go home and go back to what they were doing because they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. And um, that's frankly the difference between those that succeed and those who don't. You're one of the ones that went back home and actually started implementing. Absolutely. Well, what role in the 42 years now you've been doing this, what role or how big of a role does having the right mindset play? Well, it's probably the difference between success and failure. Because in order to succeed in real estate, we have to change their thinking. You know that you were one of our mentors working with our students. <clears throat> and our biggest problem was not teaching them real estate. It was getting their head on straight and getting over their old baggage they come with, sometimes low self-esteem. Sometimes they were just convinced that it won't work for me or it won't work here, it won't work now, or it's a scam. Uh, because that's what friends and relatives tell us. When we get started, the dream stealers are never ending. So we have to take all that and move it out while systematically moving in how real estate works and the steps that are involved in doing it. And, you know, that's what mentors do for our students. They implement what we train them in class. 
And, uh, you know, you come to my four-day uh, quick start schools as well and teach uh, several things on the last day. But you've been a mentor for quite a while, and your brother's now a mentor. And all the mentors uh, face the same thing right up here in the head. Because what we do doesn't take money, and it doesn't take credit. So there's really only one reason left to fail, and that's we just uh, won't let us won't let ourselves uh, succeed long enough to fail. So I got to change their thinking, change thinking about what real estate's like and thinking about what they're worth. You know, very few people do we see coming in that have any idea what they can make, and therefore, you know, that that won't work for me. That well, I'm sure that works for some brilliant people, but it won't work for me. And that's not true. You know, it's not true. I mean, if it were true, you wouldn't be sitting here interviewing me on a podcast because. That's I can't true. tell the world you were brilliant when you started. That was that, that's the truth. So you're not wrong, Ron. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. I was there, remember? <laughs> I do. I do. I still got a picture from the first day I met you, April 23rd, 2014, because it changed my life. And I was uh I was broke and scared. I remember that like it was yesterday. So yeah. well, that's good. But you yeah. kept going. Yeah, well, and it's so powerful. Uh, you know, there's something I remember from that first event I ever attended. There was a single mother there. Her name was Sonia. I don't know if you remember her or not, but uh, it was interesting because she was a single mother. She got up and talked about how in the last nine months since meeting you, she'd made $60,000. And so every time for the next several months, of course, as, as you know, I got a mentor and, and, uh, and got help, as I'm so glad I did. But for the next several months, every time I wanted to quit, I thought, Sonia did it. I can do it, too. So that was my inspiration. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's brand new, wanting to get started? How, how do they overcome that that fear, uh, make sure they're not risking everything? How, how do they jump in? What What's the rest recommend? First of all, we operate without using our credit, so you're never going to risk that. That's against you can't win the planet, Ron. You cannot use your credit. We don't go down and borrow money from banks. Therefore, they're never coming after us for debt, and they're not going to screw up a credit report if something goes wrong. Uh, secondly, we uh, sometimes we use a little money, but only when we get it right back within a few days, such as putting a tenant buyer in a house, getting non-refundable deposit of thousands of dollars, or sometimes I pay cash for properties, but if I do, I'm going to turn right around and sell them for a lot more than that within the first month. Uh, and then sometimes we need a little bit of money to pay closing costs and maybe a little down payment. But again, we get it right back out of the big non-refundable deposit. So uh, a lot of times we do this without money, as you well know. But even when it takes money, it takes a small amount and we get it back quickly. I don't believe in burying money in real estate. If I write a check, I want it back quickly with a larger check. Burying money means I'm not getting any rate of return on real estate that I can buy without using my money. So I'm not going to go put up a down payment and They'll qualify for a loan and all the things that conventional wisdom will tell you to do. Uh, so we operate without risk. So that's not very difficult to show to people. So now we just got to get over, well, I don't have the money uh, syndrome. You know, as well as I do, you got a whole course on wholesaling. You know, how much money does it take to wholesale a house? You know, $10 for an earnest money deposit. Put the, Get the contract, flip the contract, pick, pick up 15, 20 grand. Uh, and that's how a lot of people start. And I'm okay with it. I still wholesale houses to this day. In fact, the last two that I've wholesaled, we netted $77,000 on on two ugly houses. And none of that cost me entanglements. And frankly, you know, anybody can wholesale a house. I mean, anybody. Because it don't take any negotiating skills, no money, no credit, and very little work, actually. All the work is just finding the deals and 
Um, you know, you, you, you teach a class on that even, on social media without even using any money. Absolutely. So really, the first thing you got to do if you want to succeed is get a little education because without it, you're just wandering around and, you know, wondering why you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, that's, that's good. You know, something uh, hanging around you for many years now, uh, I've heard you say multiple times is that years ago, we, we used to have to work to do deals back before the internet. <laughs> Absolutely true. You know, I was around before Al Gore invented the internet, man. I mean, uh, I started in 1982. Uh, the first uh, home computer didn't even come out to 1985, and that was at Apple Macintosh. Uh, and by the way, uh, $3,000 to buy it. Wow. And then the cell phone came out about that time, the radio phone, because I know I was riding around one in my car. I think it was about that long. Weighed about three pounds, <laughs> and, uh, but it worked. What the heck, you know? We thought it was a miracle. We thought, man, what innovation is coming up next? Uh, little did we know we'd be here today with all. Of, it has never been easier to do what we do. It really never has because almost everything is done for us. And I'm a good example of that. I mean, I I still buy houses to this very day, but that my acquisition is does all of the work. I do almost nothing. And um, that's from beginning to end. And, you know, Global Publishing, our, our, uh, our training company, I very little. All I do is teach. I do podcasts like I'm doing right now. Everything's done for me. So when you enter Planet Ron, we focus on doing way less work and making a lot more money so that we can actually take time to enjoy it and do all the cool things that we haven't been able to do while we're swapping hours for dollars. And, you know, I, 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 most people just have no idea how much money we can make in this industry. Yeah, I know you know that as well, because <clears throat> you didn't have a clue what you'd be worth today compared to when you started. So true. And it happens so, can happen so quickly. It's, uh, it's powerful. What for you has been uh, your biggest setback and, and comeback? How, how did you deal with that setback, turn it into a win? My biggest setback was 2008. It'll haunt me for the rest of my life. I had 32 development projects going on in nine different states simultaneously, multi, multi, multi-million dollar developments. And then 2000, September 08 came and everything crashed and burned. Not only did capital dry up, but the equity strategy, exit strategies for everything I was doing went away. There was no market for anything. Houses stopped building immediately. Any building stopped immediately. Money dried up around the world, and frankly, there was just no way to get out of these projects, even if I was able to find the money to finish them. So I've spent a couple of years making giant payments out of my pocket to come to the realization that we're not going to save these projects, and I might as well give this money to charity as to, to donate it to these banks. They're ultimately going, to, ultimately going to wind up with a property, and that's exactly what happened. Some of them, um, I let me deed it back. Some of them came and foreclosed on me. So all that went down the drain. And unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, I guess what I knew, what I learned over the years didn't stop me from moving forward. Uh, I always do single family houses, always will. And that is the one who brung me. And that is the one that made, a, you know, made me get through all of this. Plus, I've been training it all this long. So in my case, it's really nothing more than um, a bad experience that I went through. But it certainly has helped a lot of other people not experience the same thing along the way. And it all starts but not guaranteeing debt because I had $50 million worth of personally guaranteed debt because I thought, it, you know, the reward was worth the risk. 
but then here comes 08, had no control of that. So you move on. There's only two things you can do when, when the tragedy strikes, and that's uh, work every day to get through it or put your head in the sand, which puts your butt where? Right up in the air to be kicked. Right. Well, what do you look for, Ron? Uh, what do you look for in a winner? I know you've had, what, probably hundreds of thousands at least of students coming uh, through your trainings over the years. What's the common trait or thing you look at someone and, and you're like, that person is going to gonna do well? Attitude. The same thing I look for if I'm an employer hiring an employee. Um, I don't expect them to know much about what they're going to do, and it might be a good idea that they don't. We don't have to untrain them. <clears throat> but you bring in somebody with the right attitude, uh, like you had when you came, and the rest is pretty easy. It honestly doesn't take long to learn this real estate stuff. Uh, and it's more about how you handle yourself, how you transact business, and uh, <clears throat> and how you think. And of course, obviously, we're not going to wave a wand over anybody's head and change your thinking overnight. In my opinion, it starts with a series of successes, meaning checks, okay, and then they start getting bigger and bigger. And then and the mindset allows us to think bigger. And sometimes we go on to bigger things like commercial property, which I teach as well. Uh, but uh, we got to get them a check as fast as we can because that keeps them in the loop. But honestly, if they come in and, you know, they keep saying, uh, I, I can't do this. this is, uh, you know, I don't have any money. I don't have any credit. Wine, 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 wine. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I can do for them until we get that attitude changed. I can tell you, you and I have never had a student that was broker than I was when I started. They don't exist. I mean, I was looking up at zero. Right. Uh, and, and I had to borrow the money to go to my first seminar. Okay, It was $450, but that was 1982. I don't know what that is today. <laughs> Probably 10000 bucks. I don't know. Uh, but I had to borrow the big, big deal back then. And, um, you know, plus J.R. Ewing from Dallas was my hero, and I had to miss him to go to the seminar. So. Was a tough That's commitment right there. <laughs> but it was a big deal back then, okay? So uh, how many times do you think I look back and ask myself, what if I had watched JR that night and not, not gone to that seminar? <clears throat> One teeny little thing can happen in our life to explode our entire life, actually for the good or for the bad. You know, I wonder how many people are in prison right now wish they had a chance to do it all over again. No kidding. That's a lot of truth to that. When it comes to the ups and downs, you've been through a lot of market cycles over the years. How do you, uh, how many? Six. Six. How do you adjust your strategies for every market cycle? Okay, well, that's a good question, actually. Uh, we just come through a hot market, still a hot market in some areas of the country. So that makes it harder to find sellers that will sell on terms. Uh, that just simply means we, focus on the prospects that are best suited to need to sell on terms, such as, I don't know, people in foreclosure or people have some kind of issues at all. And we can rent a list of all of those. Uh, and then uh, the, the market, uh, when the market was bad, like in 1982, geez, prime rate was 16.8%. And yet we bought 23, I bought 23 houses my first six months, not having any idea what I was doing. I found a mortgage broker who would lend me the money at 18% interest and 10 points. So I just kept churning and burning. On the other hand, it was a totally different time because I bought every single one of those out of the MLS when houses were cheap and the market wasn't flooded with competition. We adjust with the market. As the market changes, I change with it. 
but at no time am I ever going to guarantee debt to buy a house. And again, if I put up money, I'm going to put it up, maybe buy a house, pay for it or whatever, but I'm going to get it back very, very quickly. Uh, so, you know, we're going into a slower market right now as we take this podcast. I'm doing some things that I haven't done in the last couple of years. I'm going back into the MLS, for example. I'm ramping up the buying machine focused on better qualified leads uh, that would give me uh, better answers when I call them uh, and, and give me a better chance of doing terms deals, which I like doing, and have wholesale deals. Two biggest and fastest ways to make money in real estate are wholesale and terms. Okay, So I, want, I do both of them. And it's very difficult for you to generate leads out there without finding both ugly houses and pretty houses. So we generate leads, our virtual assistants call them. We make a quick closing call using my scripts, determine whether we're in or out and, and move accordingly. Just like we did 20 years ago, but it you know might be a different market. So when the times change, we change our market. Uh, we, we work with what's working now, not try to do things that were working 20 years ago and think they're the same. You know, I'm so old, people think I and that I don't even do this stuff anymore. I'm still doing stuff that's 20 years old. Nothing can be further from the truth. Every time I do a boot camp, I'm changing stuff. I'm adding stuff. You've brought a lot to the table. I use some of the sources that you bring in that you've discovered. When you teach as many folks as I do, they're always bringing stuff in. So I'm just um, uh, grabbing it and uh, checking it out and, and letting everybody know. Uh, going on, uh, Probably at the next event, uh, what's working and what's not working. Some of the things that are working well, today didn't even exist five years ago. And some of the things that weren't working then are, are working now. So that's the beauty of hanging around people and networking and constantly keeping in the training cycle. You stay up with the times. So my, I've told a lot of people about you over the years. I said, that's one thing I noticed about Ron is you're for, uh, a forever student. It really struck me. Uh, first time I went to the family mastermind with you. And of course, you know, half the folks there probably learned from you, many of them at least. And I remember as I'm sitting there next to you, watching you just furiously take notes more than anybody else I noticed. <laughs> and uh, when we got done with that, that you had multiple pages of notes. And uh, what role does that continued learning or education and mentorship play and never... The key to... The key to the way I did it, Andrew, is that uh, by the time I leave that building, I've delegated 90% of those notes to the people sitting right beside me on my staff. Mm. I'm not going to a seminar without people to delegate to. And that's how I get, I get so much done. Most of the stuff that gets done around me is not done by me. It might be a thought of, and I might have created it. Like this week, I'm literally taping uh, a brand new terms course. And the one I got is only two and a half years old. I'm updating it. Same thing with a wholesaling course. Um, you know, I try to always keep up to date. And in order for me to do that, I have to focus on my job, which is creating it and delegate everything else to everyone. And frankly, uh, nobody in, that's running a business is going to get very far without that. As you well know, uh, you learned that pretty quick. Uh, it's hard yes, to delegation. Good. In fact, it made you lazy, didn't it? Go ahead. <laughs> you can admit it. <laughs> Don't tell anybody, Ron. Shoot. <laughs> So when it comes to getting the education in, in the beginning stages, how important was that for, for you? You mentioned the first seminar you attended. How important was education, mentorship? In well, the I wouldn't be stage? here without it. I mean, honestly, I, I wouldn't. Uh, and then the uh, first thing I did is get out of there and I came home and joined my local RIA group. And that, I was in that for quite a while, president for eight years. And that kept me in the loop. Um, you know, you got to hang around the right kind of people because the dream stealers will get you if you don't. 
you got to hang around people that are in the same direction. That's why when you come to my boot camps, you come back for free. Uh, if you got a real group in your town, select the few in that group that you want to hang around. Not all the ones that are there just to get away from home that night. Not the ones that are doing anything, but the ones that are doing stuff. You ain't going to learn anything from the ones that aren't doing anything. So surround yourself with people. Uh, get into some training events. In fact, get into masterminds. Masterminds have made me a ton of money. Uh, I, I not only have a couple of them, but I've been attending them since 1995, actually. And even then, I was paying $25,000 a year to go to see Dan Kennedy uh, two or three times a year in Cleveland. I'd go clear up to Cleveland on top of that. <laughs> and, you know, it's a lot of money. But I can tell you that man made me more money than any other human alive because he taught me the art of marketing. And uh, obviously, none of our <clears throat> businesses would be worth much without that, including buying and selling houses. But fortunately, generating leads to buy houses is not that difficult. Mm. How uh, has your approach to networking and building relationships uh, been, and how do you keep that up? Well, it's all about relationships, Andrew. In fact, the people are worth way more than the money. And sometimes it hurts to keep those relationships when things don't go right. But I got to tell you, from a lot of experience, the relationships uh, make you. And um, sometimes it hurts to keep them. But, you know, you got to you got to do everything you can. You won't keep them all. And some of them you shouldn't keep. Uh, for example, the people that are hanging around you and trying to steal your drains, you, you've got to set them aside. And unfortunately, some of them are going to have your last name. OK, that doesn't mean you have to listen to them. Hopefully they're not in your house. But and by the way, if they are, bring your house with you when I train you and then I'll take care of that. In fact, if you bring your spouse with you and then you go home and the spouse is negative. The spouse was probably out playing in the pool or something because they weren't in class. Can't come to our class and not see a success right before your eyes because we actually call live sellers and make deals, as you well know, because you've done a lot of those yourself, right while they're watching as I go through the system. So in other words, it starts with training, but then implementation comes next. And without the implementation, training's not worth anything. So we try to get the implementation working even before you get the training so that afterwards, it's not so hard to go out. You don't have to go out and find a website or find a handful of people. You don't go out and find anybody, actually. You just got to do what you're taught in class. So, again, that's, it's never been easier than it is right now. With all the technology we got, we, every, we got people to do everything for you. All you got to do is the thinking and the driving of your business and free up some time and spend more time on just that, uh, creating revenue for and about all the little junk. Uh, if you're going to worry about all the little minutiae stuff, it's going to drive you nuts. You ain't going to have time to do anything. Every day is going to be the same. Two months from now, six months from now, a year from now, ain't much happen because you won't get out of your own way and let people do what they do best so you can do what you do best. And to your credit, you learned that very, very quickly. Yes, thanks to you. What's the uh, number one um, idea that people have about real estate investing that you want to debunk? The number one idea? Yeah. That, that, what's a wrong thought people have about real estate investing? You get to change your career, your, your, your vocation or whatever. And if you're going to get into a vocation, you're going to buy a business. You make sure you buy one or create one that can make you filthy, stinking rich. Because if you don't, all you're doing is buying another job. Okay, you just to be the be the boss, but that's 
that's 10 times the mental anguish of working for somebody else and swapping hours for dollars. And frankly, being in business is not for everyone. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, to admit it. Uh, running a business is different than working on a job. You're, now your top cover is gone. It's all on you. And if it succeeds, it's good. If it doesn't, it's your fault. And I mean that. That's ugly. But if your business doesn't succeed, it's your fault and nobody else's. Because you didn't have, you, first of all, you probably didn't know enough about your business before you got into it. And then you probably were undercapitalized for most businesses, unlike real estate that doesn't take a lot of capital. Uh, and and uh, then you don't run your business the way it should be run. And all of these things combined uh, will create less revenue, which creates a higher demand on the business owner. And the next thing you know, they're closed, which is the real reason why you see a lot of restaurants going out of business. Okay, I own six of them. Don't start a restaurant unless you've got way more money than you need, because the restaurant's going to suck it up. Okay, uh, It's one of those brick and mortar businesses that people think, I'll buy a restaurant, I'll make a lot of money, I'll be my own boss. Yeah, but I can tell you pretty soon, the uh, mental anguish is going to wish you had another boss and was out of that job. And even if you succeed in it, how much can you possibly make? How much can you possibly make in any brick and mortar business for that matter? We have this luxury of being in a business that has extremely small overhead, but huge high transaction value checks. And we don't need to get many of those. Most businesses work on small volumes. I mean, small uh, profit, a lot of volume. Uh, that's okay, unless the volume don't come. And it usually doesn't. So uh, one, one of the lessons you learn quickly, and even in a brick and mortar business, is that open it does not mean they will come. You got to make them come which means you need to have a little education on marketing. Make them come. Uh, I've had six restaurants, and frankly, I never talked to a restaurant owner, Andrew, that had any clue about marketing. Most of them hate the thought of it. It's just another expense, and it don't work anyway. Well, with that mindset, you are destined to fail. I don't care what your product or service is. That's good advice and smart. What's the most uh, rewarding part of being a seasoned real estate investor? Uh, being able to help a lot of people out of situations that you can help them out of that they don't know any other exit strategy. And I'm, I'm very okay with actually getting paid very well to do that. But, uh, you know, it's like the training business. Why do I still teach? People ask me that all the time. I don't need to. On the other hand, you know, I'm pretty much retired. I got to do something. <laughs> okay. And, you know, all the golfing and the trips and all that crap gets old real, real fast. I've even got a big old RV sitting out there. That sucker's 44 feet long. I'm lucky if I get in it twice a year. I have no business owning an RV, none. Okay, I just sold my airplane for the same reason. I'm not using it. Sitting out there at the airport cost me 10 grand a month. Why? Okay, so uh, look, we all, right, you know, I'll write this one down if you're watching. Everyone needs something to look forward to. And uh, if you don't have it, find it. Whatever it is in your life, Find it. You got to have some reason to get out of bed in the morning. And most people working don't realize that is their reason for getting out of bed until they retire and now wake up in the morning. What am I going to do today? All right. I got to keep myself busy. I got to make stuff to do uh, because it could be real, real boring sitting around all day with nothing to do. And I can't take that. And frankly, I never met an entrepreneur who could. We entrepreneurs, we got to get stuff going. We got to be busy. I mean, look, and we don't have to sweat you know, like I did when I was younger, but we got to keep our brain active as well. And the only way you're going to keep your brain active is creating, being part of the growth of something, even if it's not your business, something. 
So, uh, boy, this, you know, retirement ain't what it's cracked up to be for most folks. So uh, you might want to keep that in mind if you're right on the edge of it. Because if you think about it, the what you're doing every day before you retire is what drives you. It's, it's what keeps you active. It's what keeps your brain active. Uh, you give that up and have nothing to do, and you're going to have a very boring life. So much wisdom in that. I, I love well, you don't care. You're 30 years old. Well, <laughs> well, if I live long enough, I'll be there one day. <laughs> it tells me you don't have to worry about a retirement, though. This is true. The uh, When it comes to you, uh, having done thousands of deals, you've been teaching for many years, and you've got, you, you just mentioned you just sold the plane. You have, I don't know what, a dozen or 15 or more classic cars you, you enjoy. Uh, what what kind of keeps you going right now? What What is it that you enjoy doing? Well, I still do some work for Global. Um, you know, I teach, I write, I create, do podcasts, uh, and I do seminars on and offline. You know, you were just in one we did live here in Jacksonville. It was a great seminar. Uh, and I do putts around with my classic cars when I've got one that's not in the shop and there's something to do on it. I have, How many you got I, now? I can sell them, by the way. Most of them. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, even that, that's not, that's not enough to keep one busy. So I constantly am looking for things to do, to tell you the truth. And most of that is uh, reading or creating. I'm sitting here right now uh, looking at a, an old sales letter for an event that I'm going to retape here shortly. Uh, so I'm, I've always got something doing that line. But, again, that's not an eight-hour-a-day job. So fortunately, I get up when I feel like it, Andrew. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I stay up late, but I'm a late riser. So ain't nobody telling me I got to be to work on time. <laughs> What's your favorite creative finance strategy? Uh, buying with uh, wraparound mortgages. Okay. Because that's 75% of the of the term's business. Yeah. The rest of them are free and clear. So I'm just buying with the first mortgage. If I, but if I, you know, the majority of the people aren't going to do terms. And by the way, as things change, that number will grow. I've seen it already. Uh, but then, uh, so I'm either looking for the uh, junkers that I can uh, put on, on a uh, contract cheap, wholesale, or I'm doing terms deal. I really don't, I'm doing a renovation right now, but I frankly don't care to do renovations right now, especially in these times. A uh, lot of un unknowns, never know what kind of issues you're going to have getting the products or getting the contractors or getting them on the job or keeping them on the job. And, and time, months have to go by and you never know what's going to happen to the price. By the time you get through, that's the biggest one. Because I tell you, our prices went way up here in the last couple of years, but now they're starting to come down almost as fast as they went up here in Jacksonville, Florida, where I live. So um, I, I just don't like the idea of being in the thing five or six months to get out of it. Now, of course, you know, I, we got friends like Jay Connor. He lives in Moorhead City, North Carolina, but his market is not declining. Okay. In fact, it's, it's stable and he's got no uh, inventory on the market. So he has the luxury of renovating a house over a period of a few months, but it's actually worth more when he's done than when he started. That is not the rest of the country. That is certainly not here where I live or in Louisville where you live either. Absolutely true. So there's too many variables. And plus, I have to wait a long time to get a check. And the truth is, I can get just as big a check from a wholesale deal or, or, or putting a tenant buyer in a house and not have to wait six months to get it. And not have to take uh, all of those risks and all those costly entanglements. I've got nothing against rehabbing. Teach rehabbing. I don't get a chance. I'll do rehabbing. I just don't want it to be anybody's business. 
I'd rather you look at it as a bonus. And plus, it's kind of cool to make something ugly into something pretty. But it's still my least favorite part. Rehabbing is my least favorite part for sure. Uh, I've only done a thousand of them. (laughs) I've not done that many, but I've done enough to know it's not my thing. If I do one or two a year right now, that's about all I want to do. Absolutely. Same here. What's the uh, advice you would have for someone who's either doing real estate or getting into real estate to maintain their work-life balance? Work-life balance has to do with how you handle your work and how much time you put into crap you shouldn't be doing. I, I don't work at real estate two hours a week. I don't. I really don't. So I don't know why we would have a work-life balance. Okay. If anything, my wife would be kicking me out, go do something. All right. Uh, I've been married 57 years, man. I mean, I, I learned to do what I'm told. At least I listen to what I'm told. That doesn't mean I do it. <laughs> so uh, work-life balance ain't a problem unless you're overworked. And if you're overworked, you just haven't gotten a message yet. Let other people do what they do best so you can get out of the way and do what you do best. And that's it truly is that simple. All right. Is it safe to say if you're working uh, uh, 50 or 60 hours a week in your real estate business, you're doing about 80% of crap you shouldn't be doing? 90%. Okay. I would agree. And and incidentally, if you're having trouble in your marriage, I'll bet you you can trace it back to lack of money. If you fix that problem, it'll change your attitude, change your spouse's attitude. And believe me, everything around you changes. It's much easier to get day by day because you're not... I have confrontation on little petty issues that, well, they're petty to me, but not petty to you if they're you issue, your issues. And trust me, I've been there. Uh, and, you know, poor cash flow is the biggest reason for most divorces. It comes back to that anyway, causes all kinds of other things that lead to a divorce. But uh, you watch what happens because you and I have both seen so many people come in, take their life back, start making a ton of money and just the relationships just get to the point to where, you know, they can't even contain themselves in class sometimes, can they? Absolutely. <laughs> well, as you, as you know, Ron, this is, it's called the real estate level up podcast. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so glad we get to spend this time together today. What advice would you have for someone to level up their real estate investing business? And what does leveling up mean to you? Well, leveling up means get to the point to where you're actually very active and if you're already active, uh, get to the next level if you want to go there. Okay, some people don't want to do six, eight deals a month. That's okay with me. But doing a handful of years is going to change your life. That's for sure. So um, the advice I have to give folks, even though it sounds self-serving, because I offer training, how can you expect to succeed in any business without getting trained first? And yet that's exactly what most business owners do. You know, I often tell everybody, you can't learn how to run a restaurant by eating there because that won't teach you anything except the quality of the food. Uh, And same with real estate. You know, I see on the Internet all the time, all these people telling everybody how to get rich in real estate. But I can tell you, if you took a good hard look behind the curtains there, you probably wouldn't like what you see. And, you know, there's so many people out there after they do two or three houses, they're an expert. Now they want to tell everybody this advice. And I'll be honest with you, some of this advice is just absolutely opposite of reality and they're doing more harm than they are good, uh, such as this burr thing, B-R-R-R-R-R-R-R, whatever that is. That says that I got, to, I got to refinance the house, which is absolutely against everything we do. 
And it also says that I got a guarantee on that debt when I refinance it. And then it says I got to rent it. I don't rent houses, okay? I put tenant buyers in houses who give me thousands of dollars, non-refundable option deposit, and are responsible for all of the repairs. I can't imagine why anybody would want to rent a house. And you're talking to a guy at one time had 276 of those tenants and 200 of them were Section 8. That's why I don't want to do it anymore, okay? We put tenant buyers in houses, as you know. They're not tenants, they're buyers. Think like buyers, act like buyers, pay their rent. If they don't, they lose their deposit. And then, and then think about all the calls that you're not going to get to clean out toilets. Their problem. Something goes wrong, they fix it. So it's part of their agreement up front, signed in front of an attorney. So that alone, by the way, will change a landlord into a real estate investing business like overnight, getting that rent crap out of your head. Well, you know, that's what they teach. The problem with that is I go do that. I buy, rehab, rent, refinance. Now I'm stuck with an 80% loan for 30 years and I spend the money like overnight. And now I am creating a problem for the future for that quick cash in my hand today. So I'm trying to fix a, a long-term problem with a short-term solution. And first time, first time that property needs that money back, I don't have it. Because if I got an 80% loan on it, I can't have much cash flow in it. Uh, and you, they just build themselves into a trap. And I know some people might be thinking right now, I'm getting a little bit of nauseous. Oh, crap, that's what I'm doing. Well, you better stop doing it, especially going into uncertain times. Because the last thing you need is a bunch of uh, uh, loans on your credit report. And by the way, the more loans you get on your credit report, the less lendable you are. Lenders don't care about your so-called equity, ladies and gentlemen. To them, they just totally ignore it. And I believe them. I agree with them. If you don't think so, look, 2008, we lost 40% equity like overnight here in Florida and many other states. So that equity's pie in the sky until you turn it into money. Lenders only care how much debt do you have and how much cash flow do you have and how much liquid assets do you have. You keep all those loans off of your credit report, all of them. I get I get non-recourse loans, seller financing, subject to private loans. Non-recourse don't go in your on your credit report, guys and gals. Non-recourse doesn't even have to be reported on your financial statement because it's not your debt. If you don't personally guarantee the debt, it's not your debt. And if you don't get anything out of this, get that. Do not personally guarantee debt if you want to be around a while. Yeah, that was a long answer to a short question, wasn't there, Andy? Good answer, Ron. Thank you again. Where do the listeners find go to find you? Okay, I've got an hour and 15 minute uh, webinar on terms, so you can get to feel what that's all about. That's ronlegrand.com slash terms. That's L-E-G-R-A-N-D. There's no E on the end. Ron Legrand, and it's L-E, not L-A, uh, dot com slash terms. And then ronlegrand.com has got a whole bunch of free stuff on it. And uh, and go YouTube me for crying out loud. I've, I've got enough YouTube videos to uh, keep you busy till at least Social Security time. <clears throat> I'm, even on, I'm, I'm, I'm even on TikTok for crying out loud. Are you dancing? Uh, no. No dancing. Okay. And so far, they're going to push me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again so much, Ron. Uh, I know you got plenty of other things to be doing, and I'm so grateful that you come on to uh, share this time with us today. So we'll see you again soon. Next time. All right. Bye for now.